we have started a series about getting unstuck, as you can see, becoming unstuck. One of the things that uh, the staff, uh, Peter wrote a book on it, that whenever we have done counseling, and I've done counseling for a long time, is that you always want to find the root of, of what people struggle with. And, and like, whatever I'm struggling with today comes from something in the past. And until you pull that spike, it's like a computer program. Once the computer program gets the spike way in the beginning, it always turns back up in some way. So the, our goal is to go and get, take that spike out. And so Pete was inspired to write a book about becoming unstuck because of no matter what counseling that we do, we all end up doing this process. And so today we're going to deal with moving past the dysfunctional beginning in relationships. Now we all have been in relationships, some of us good, some of us bad. But all in all, they affect us. And the three relationships... We're going to look at what the healthy ones look like so that you can compare what those look like for you. The, the three relationships are God, mother, and father. The first three that you come and you have to deal with, either good or bad. And as we take a look at these, we're going to see what the Bible says that they were to look at, look like. Now, if your relationship wasn't, if, if I describe uh, um, what the Bible says about the mother relationship, and you go, ooh, that wasn't my mother, it's good to recognize it. It's good to recognize that if you have something against that relationship, or if you were denied something in that relationship, that you're sensitive to it, and you're going, that's the reason I act this way when this happens now. Until you realize that th that thing that just always seems to drag you down, and you've got no reason for it, once you pinpoint it, it starts to ex explain to you why you act that way, why you feel that way. And now, you can build upon it. So just because if I describe uh, what the Bible says about a relationship you should have had with your father and you didn't get it, don't think, oh, I'm ruined. No, absolutely. You're, you're starting the process to get unstuck because now you know why those feelings, the, those chemicals are released in your body when you're in a relationship that just seems to be bad. And so you can understanding it, you can steer around it, you can explain it to yourself, I don't need to feel this way, I know where that's coming from, it's not dealing with him or her, it's dealing with this back there. And the step, the beginning step, that this, as we go through this series this month, it is a process to get unstuck. We're going to minister to those who feel like their relationship in this area was bad. We want, we want you to recognize if it was. And the Bible tells us that this process starts with, first, I need to forgive that person for not being the person in that relationship they should have been. And, and hopefully we're going to realize that, you know, probably because they weren't, they didn't get that nurturing or that instruction or that love 
when they were a child, and this is all they knew. So it's more a matter of being pitied for them because they've lived their entire life and they have not had the opportunity that we are this month to get unstuck, unstuck in relationships. So let's start with that. So do I need to forgive that relationship for not being there? Do I need a healing because of that relationship? And it's, it's not going to all happen today. This is the starting point. It is the starting point. So let's take uh, the first relationship that we have is, in, is God. And we see some of it. And I only, I'm only taking the scriptures. There are so many. It just, just the topic of God it would take us forever to deal with the relationship and how he loves us and what he's done. I'm just scanning over a few of the scriptures to start this process so that we recognize the relationship with God. I'm not going to flood you with every scripture out there. So we're going with the, with the high point. So in J- Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. For me, and you're going to see when we get to mothers, I'm going to come back. I needed this. This is what this one verse cut, covered. Because my relationship I struggled with was my mother. Now, my mother loved me, but I'm not going to get ahead of this. But this verse, some of you might have to come back to this once we go through. And, and you may not have had a biblical relationship with a mother or a father that the Bible describes. But to think, wait a minute, let's see what this means to us. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God has, if he knew us, he said it was a plan. You know, there's like 10 gazillion sperms swimming towards that one egg. And the Lord says, that one's the lucky one. Because <laughs> if it was that one, you know, you're, you're going to have one green eye, one blue eye. You know, you're going to have... So he, every, that one is going to make it. And the reason is that one, because he knew us before that happened. And he's forming us. And so it's like, a, for me, it's like making a cake. I remember when Crystal and I were first married. Her mother didn't teach her how to cook. And so she was going to make biscuits. I love biscuits. She was going to make her first biscuits. And she looks on the box. It says two slash three cups of milk. So she goes, man, that's a lot of milk. Two to three cups. I'll just go two and a half cups. We had pudding. <laughs> she, goes, she came and she goes, I can't get something's wrong with the oven. That these things won't cook. It's like, okay. But you know what? God doesn't go, nope, that one is gonna make it to the egg because I've already formed it. This is the formula of the person that I'm forming, and I have a purpose for you. That right there can set us free. You know. Have you ever heard anybody say, why, did, why was I even born? Why was I even born? To fulfill the purpose that God placed in you. 
And the adventure is to find that purpose. Have people help us find that birth, that, that purpose. Long before I even took my first breath, Ephesians chapter 2, for we are God's workmen. We're, we're his handiwork. We're his, one verse says we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know what this is? is that people don't realize there, there's no one like you. You have a eunice. I made this word up, okay? Do you like my? There's a eunice. There's no one. You are unique. No one in history and no one in the future is going to be born like you. With, with your abilities or inabilities. Because sometimes our lack in one area causes us to be stronger in another. But until you know that you, you have been given a purpose that God knew you before you were born, sometimes all we think of is our lack and what we can't do, what we can't become. Well, because of that lackness, don't go that way, go this way. Do, become stronger in this. So, no fingerprint. This is the only one in, ever. This is the only me. No one else in God's great design has this design. Your design. So regardless how old you are, you're not done. No one else shares your blend of personality, your abilities, the way you put it together, your ancestry. Even so many twins, they go, oh, we're just alike. And then you get to know them and go, no, you're not. There's differences. And it amazes me that the angels stand around and they're always amazed. They're always going, glory, glory to God, because they constantly see his creativeness. And one of the things that angels stand around and they yell glory is every time a baby is born, they're unique to them. There's no one else like them. And the angels in heaven yell, glory, you did it again. The Eunice, your heaven's first and final attempt at you. You're matchless, you're unequaled. It's in your fashion, in your way of speech. It doesn't mean that this is the way God made me and that's it. No, he constantly is speaking to us and instructing us and teaching us to better, to reach that goal that he wants us to get to. You are absolutely unique. And unfortunately, too many believers are born thinking, I'm nothing. I've got no purpose. Everyone else is so much better than I am. No, only, there's only a you born with a purpose that God knew you before you were born. So in, in this, this first relationship, the main issue for God is our submission to having this mindset. 
when there's no one else to encourage you, whenever there's just some, some possible disaster in your life, here's the one thing, your, your, your mother's not here, your father's never there. There's one thing that you can run back to is that God knew me before I was born. God knew me before I was in this situation. And he says, I love you and I have a purpose and a plan and there's no one else like you to complete it. I mean, that's, if you don't have that foundation, you can get rocked. Because tragedies are going to come that God has prepared you to work through. Victories are going to come that he's prepared you to work through. That's the uniqueness of you. So... We're not a mistake. You're not a mistake. And so I, I, w- I w- would just invite you to just say this with me. You ready? I am not a mistake. Can you say it? I am not a mistake. God made me for a purpose. God made me for a purpose. The chase is on now. For you to find it. And purposes change. If, if you complete one purpose, you move to another. If, you, if, you, if this purpose is over, there's another. The chase is on. God did not make a mistake. He knew you before you existed. Let's move to mothers. Before uh, God made Eve, nobody was born. It was just Adam. Like, let's get a little mud, and we, make, we form Adam. And then he placed Adam asleep, and taking from Adam, he formed a wombed man. Adam wakes up, he goes... <laughs> This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called. There was something different about this one. She had a womb and Adam didn't. So whenever you you see the scriptures and it says that God did this for man or mankind, it means women too because women, you are a man with a womb. All right? You have something that God placed and from that moment on, something was missing from man. But also, every man and woman is going to come from a mother. There is a connection there. For the first nine months, every one of us lived in this nice little warm room, all snuggled up. You never got hungry. You could stretch every now and then. And then all of a sudden... It started getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And all of a sudden you had this sense, move to the light. (laughs) Move to the light. (laughs) But for nine months, we were a part of this woman. Now, here's the amazing thing. You had your own blood. You had your own blood type. You didn't have your mom's blood. It was a whole idea. Oh, it's just just a, a... a piece of tissue. It's just, no. You had your own heart. 
you had your own blood and your blood type could have been different from your mother's. That is a person. That is, that is why we're so pro-life. That, that God made that person but knew him before. And the, the, the mirror, I mean, if I was going to just come up with this whole birth idea, I was going, well, listen, let's just share some blood. She's got a lot of blood. No, you have your own blood system, your own heart. But somehow you're still apart. You're, you're different, but apart. You share some things with her. You share some DNA with your dad. From the moment of conception... You're a part of her, and for the next couple of years, you are dependent on her nurturing and caring for you, completely dependent on her. I mean, she, she can produce milk to feed you. Now, first, it says, from conception, God knew you first, before. Then there's conception. And I, now I'm just going to tell you a little story. Let me make sure i got time. <laughs> Who wants a story? Okay. Story time. Gather around, children. Gather around. This is where I struggled, is the mother relationship. And I'm just going to be honest, because we need to place. It's probably why some of the, I don't have a, I don't have that nurturing thing that I think most people should. Because my mother wasn't nurtured. Now, my mother loved me. My mother absolutely loved me. But my mother was not a nurturer. Um, She was on her own at 15. She uh, didn't have shoes. She grew up in the uh, Key West. She didn't have but anything but flip-flops until she was in the ninth grade. Uh, she was tough. Her dad passed away when she was uh, preteen or about 12. Uh, yeah. And her mother wasn't nurturing. She had to you know, provide for the family. I was in, I was in ninth grade. And <clears throat> you know, I, I was a part of the family. And my mother told me to do something. I forgot what it was, but I remember the incident. I remember I came walking out of the kitchen, and my mother asked me, did you do something? And I hadn't done it. And she did, this is like the second time, and I kind of said, yeah, I did do it. And then she confronted me. She said, did you do it? And you know, whenever you, you don't, I don't want to disappoint my mother. I, I mean, I, I don't want to get caught. I don't want to. And so I did this. I went, much like Coley, my grandson. And I just did that. I was, who was I mad at? Me. <laughs> My mother wasn't a big woman. And she just saw me do this. And she stepped up and she goes, Go ahead, hit me. She thought I wanted to hit her. She goes, Go ahead and hit me. I got money and I'll hire, I'll hire someone to beat you to a pulp. That's my mom. <laughs> That's mom. <laughs> but that was normal for me. But you noticed I didn't get that nurturing thing. <laughs> that for her, she was nurturing. You know, she was just going to teach me a lesson. It was just hard knocks lesson. So, and the interesting thing is, is my dad died like 35 years ago, and and from then on, he just said, he goes, just take care of her, so I've just kind of taken care of her, and the, the last 10 or 15 years of her life, I was her primary caregiver, okay? And so, I mean, I took her grocery shopping, I took her to the doctor 
every, every oh, I think it was like every Tuesday, and then I take her to get a little milkshake. She loves vanilla milkshakes. And no matter who we met, and every time we met them, she'd go, "Oh, this is my youngest son. I was the youngest by seven, eight years. My brother and sister." She goes, "Oh, and this is my youngest son." He goes, "This is my mistake." From the day I can remember her introducing me to the day she died. She never introduced me as Mark. She introduced me as her mistake. So you see why I run to. He knew me before I was formed and had a purpose for me. I didn't get that nurturing, but I know I didn't get it, and it's absent in my life to give to someone else. So whenever I come to that moment, I go, Crystal, <laughs> we need some nurturing, and I don't know how to do it. <laughs> come quickly. <laughs> she would do the nurturing, and I get credit. Oh, he's so nurturing. How was I so nurturing? I knew the person to get in there to do the nurturing. And my wife is an incredible nurturer. I don't know how many of y'all have the same story. A little different. But you were the mistake. Your older sibling was always the one asked to pray at the family gathering. The other one was always the one they bragged on. Nurturers don't do that. They're proud of every one of their kids. And every one of your kids are different. Just uh, We just spent a week together with the entire family in the same hotel room. Or it was a big room. Right? I just couldn't. I meant everyone is different. All the Evans boys could not be more different. All the Brunton kids, just the two. But, but you kind of, whether one's a boy, one's a girl, you know. Selah, the only child. And she's different from every one of them. The Swindells, all are talented and all are different. How can that be? Because God has a purpose for each one of them. Proverbs 31, 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom. You know what that means? She doesn't have dad humor. <laughs> dad opens his mouth. It's kind of like, okay, what's the joke? But mom, and, and it, 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 there's, it, it, I think there's some insights. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. This may sound a little different, but it, it explains some deeper point. When There's times where mom speaks where she says, listen. She makes a point, and you know it's wisdom. She, and she does her instruction in a loving manner. It's, it, there's instruction, but it's done in love. It's on her tongue. It's not done in ridicule. Now, I want you to know this is a biblical view of what we were supposed to get in the foundation you know, of, of our life 
It goes on, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This is not a kept woman. She's trusted and able to run a household. The spirit of the home is loving and it's safe. There's food, there's warmth. You know, and, and the verse goes on and says, and, and it's to the place where the children notice it because it said they rise up and call her blessed. It's not a hidden secret. It's so obvious. The Song of Solomon, and let me explain this. The Song of Solomon first, it's Solomon writing a story about him falling in love with this beautiful, most beautiful black woman he's ever seen. Most beautiful woman, period. But it says she was darker than the tents of Kadar. And the tents of Kadar are very black. So we're going, so all those people say, oh, the races aren't supposed to mix. Uh, forget that. Bible proves that wrong. Um, in fact, I think it was one of the things I told Eli when he was falling in love. I said, man, I said, Solomon was up front, buddy. And so he was romancing this woman, trying to make her to be the queen of queens. And then she has a point of it. They, they're not married yet. And <clears throat> she's, uh, this is a pretty spicy book, by the way. When Crystal and I were, uh, I was living in the woods, cutting a house down out of trees, she would send me quotes from the Song of Solomon. And like, whew, we're going home a little early. <laughs> I just chunked the chainsaw and drive the two and a half hours home. So in this, she's saying, oh, I wish you were my brother because they couldn't publicly meet. They couldn't really date. She goes, oh, I wish you were my brother. If, I, if you were my brother, I could run up to you in the streets and kiss you on the lips. It's like, ooh, you know. But she is saying all these wonderful things that she wants for this man that she loves. Well, actually, the king was trying to romance her. She had a boyfriend. That's who she's writing to. But it says she wants the best for him. And she's saying all the wonderful things that are in her life. She goes, I wish I could do this. And it's in Psalms 8. It says, I would lead you and bring you to my mother's house. She who has taught me. That's how she described her mother. This one who's taught me everything I am. She taught it to me. And it wasn't just to be a woman. It goes, I wish you had her to teach what she taught me to you. Taught you taught me how to love, how to live, how to see myself. So the question that you need to ask yourself is, did you have this mother? Did you receive this instruction, this love, this place of safety? Because if you didn't, it might be a, just missing in you. It could have caused a problem with relationships, your marriage, your kids. Could it be that you need to start the process to forgive her for not providing that to you? Just, she may not have had it in her life. But we need to start that process. 
Let's start with, let's uh, finish up with fathers. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not <laughs> exasperate your children. And boy, that's a big word. You know what? Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Exasperate means arouse them to anger. For some reason, so many men think, you know, here's how I'm going to train him. I'm going to make him mad. I'm going to make him as mad as I am that he's made me. It says, don't, don't do that. It is, it, it is the exact wrong thing to do. And it, because what's interesting is that when you discipline a child, it, actually what you, your goal in disciplining is to break the anger that's in them. Because they're angry they got caught. They're angry that they failed. Just remember when I, when I did this, you know, my mother thought I was wanting to hit her, but I was angry at myself. And she did not notice that. She, because that's how she was raised. She needed to break the anger in me. Instead, she added to it. She tried. Let me give you a, Actually, she got mad. Why? Took me years to figure this out. Why did my, when I did this, it made my mother angry? Because whenever you're in fear, the only thing, the, the only two things that break fear is the spirit of the Lord or anger. Now you know that. You know the dog that you beat, you beat, you beat, and it gets into the corner, and then all of a sudden, it's just afraid for its life. And what does it do? comes out after you. What's happening in our nation today? Everyone's going to die from COVID. Everyone's going to lose their job. You're going to get mass shamed at Publix. I'm so mad at that. I just, I get out, you know, I don't have my mask on and I'm mad. I'm going, I just got mass shamed. Has that happened to anybody? And then you go put your mask on, you go in the store, and then someone else comes in without a mask, and you mask shame them, you switch teams. <laughs> I so shallow, I just switch teams immediately. <laughs> Whatever team I'm on, yeah! You know, why? Anger is what we grab onto when we're moving fear and uncertainty. Why is everyone so angry? Because of fear, uncertainty. In the Spanish flu, uh, 1917, more people died than are dying. I mean, it was real a, a pandemic. In 1918, were the worst race wars America ever had. Why? I think it's about fear. It's about uncertainty. The answer is God. If you don't have God, it's anger. It empowers me. Anger empowers me. Well, that's what we had in my relationship. And, and a father, a father, when you discipline and instruct a child, his job is not to put anger, not to exasperate them. His job is to discipline, to break the anger. When Aslan, Aslan was my strong-willed child, and she's one of my softest now, but... <clears throat> She did something horrible to her sisters, and I've told the story many times. She'd done something horrible. And, um, you know, Jared didn't, didn't have to be that smart as Aslan. He would just pick his nose and chase him. You know, he could scare, scare the girls. <laughs> Aslan, Aslan could, 
could say something or do something. And so Chris was going to go, my wife said, go spank her. And I'd spank her. And she just, I go, go tell your sisters you're sorry. Clenched fist. Sorry, Coley, you come by it. It's in your DNA. She's got her fence clenched. I go, please tell I take her back in the bathroom. You need, because she's just mad. And I spank her again. I go tell your sister you're sorry. Let's go back into the bathroom. <laughs> but I had the instructor, I said, Aslan, once you do this, I am going to put my arms around you and hug you, and it's like it never happened. Because you asked for forgiveness. And I spanked her, and she broke. Once she knew there was hope, she can take the punishment. But until she knew that there was hope, because there's no place to go, it's the dog in the corner getting beat. If there's no hope, this is all you got. And that's the place of the father. That's the place of the father. It's the way a father carries himself makes the difference. So we're to break anger, not create it. The, the consequence of to exasperate it or um, push people just to another level. According to Colossians, it says, least they become discouraged. You just can't keep beating and beating and beating. Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline or instruct your child for in that there is what? Hope. See, some people think that discipline sounds like discipline. The other word is instruct. The discipline is to instruct. Discipline is to be redemptive. We think discipline is just to get, you know, a, you know, a pound of pain to draw blood. That's not discipline. Discipline is redemptive. We are going to discipline for the purpose of redemption, to restore relationship. Not just, you're, you're bad. And you're going to pay a price. It is redemptive. And that's what people don't understand. Yes, you discipline a child. You, what, you, you don't give them this huge discipline for an infraction that's this big. Discipline needs to be equivalent to what has been done. But here's the reason. The reason for that. Discipline done in love. Yeah, it might be spanking, but it's in love and it's redemptive. It is, this is where the character of every child is built. Have you ever seen someone who said, oh, that person's got no character. You know what it tells me? He said they weren't disciplined correctly. A discipline... When you discipline and you correct a child directly because it's the spirit or the style that you do it in. Discipline should always be redemptive in the nature. 
that is loving. You can give punishment in a loving way because there always needs to be circumstances, but the main goal is winning the child's heart, not getting them to pay the price. They might need to pay a price. They might need to pay a price physically, but if it doesn't lead to winning their heart, you failed. You failed to build character in that person. Because character formation is spiritual, it's intellectual, it's emotional, it's physical nourishment that every child needs to have. Every child needs boundaries. Whenever I run across a child who's insecure, doesn't know what this is, they don't know their boundaries. It's like they do something wrong and daddy says, don't do that. Then they do it again. Dad, don't do that. They do it again. Don't do that. They do it again. Don't do that. They do it again. And then all of a sudden, hell breaks loose in their life. They get beat. They don't know where the line is. That builds insecurity in that person's character. Can I get away with it? I can get away with it. 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 I don't need to make that mortgage payment. I don't need to make that mortgage payment. I mean, and all of a sudden, you get a notice to get out. I think that's all in the way discipline has come down in their life. The term character comes from a Greek word that means engraved mark or imprinted on their soul. That happens when you're a child. It says, you know, raise a child, train a child in the way they'll go. And when they're old, because it's been imprinted on their soul. They've been taught redemption. If I ask for forgiveness, I'm forgiven. If I pay the price, I'm accepted the next day. It's a tough question because there's so many of us who never knew their dad. A lot of people go, <laughs> a lot of people go, my dad was so horrible. My, you know, I said, you'd been better off if he'd left. It's the way you're talking. <laughs> and some people complain, going, I never knew my dad. Good for that, because you didn't know what he might have brought. But you know what? There's something missing. If your dad was there or wasn't there, and he didn't produce this type of instruction. There's something lacking in our character. When good things happen, when bad things happen. Now remember, this is a process that we have to go through. We started today, and at the end of this, as the end of this study, we've gone the full, that, that full gamut to get to that place. That we can get unstuck. I'm not trying to put the blame on any father, any mother. I'm trying to get us unstuck. I want to get unstuck. I want to get unstuck so I can have the right relationship with my wife, the right relationship with my kids, my grandkids, my business partner, my boss, people who make work for me. Question. Did you receive this kind of instruction growing up? Did you have this built into your character or have you had to pay a price to make character for yourself. 
Because the, the world, if your dad didn't instruct you, guess what? The world will. If your dad didn't spank you or discipline you, the world will. And let me tell you, the world is harsh. And it always, it very seldom doesn't have a redemptive factor with it. We need to get unstuck. So you need to recognize, did you have that father? Or is that missing? Did your mother have to try to provide and help you, which I'm sure she did, or an uncle, which is great. But you know that that, that, wasn't, that doesn't describe your dad. You need to admit that, and the next part is to say, I've got to come to grips with forgiving him. Because if I don't forgive him, I will not be forgiven by my Father in heaven. Crystal's father would always say whenever we, he would run into a situation like this in counseling that somebody's just, just been a horrible person and he would always say, because it's easy to throw rocks at him, he'd always say, it's better to, to pity them than scorn them. They're that way because of things in their life that they didn't get. And it's time for us as adults to forgive those people who weren't all what they were supposed to be for us. But in doing so, it gets us unstuck and free to live the life that God ordained and knew for us from before we even met our parents. That first relationship. Could we all stand as we read this? Psalms 139, and I'll try to do it slow enough. Let's start. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that well, full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, you did not drop us into this world defenseless or empty-handed. We arrived with the ability to be fully equipped and we accept your truth. Our days are ordained by you. Our day of birth to the day of our death. Days of difficulty and victory are authored by you. Father, we accept this work through the work of your son that you will also provide it on the cross and we thank you in jesus name